Hello and welcome to another episode of the Leo Alves podcast. So in today's podcast episode, I've got a guest with me. Her name is Lex and uh, Alexa. And I've been follow- we've been following each other on social media for a good while now. And uh, she's another trainer based in New York. And to be honest, I'm not going to say too much because I'm going to let her introduce herself because there's no one better than herself to introduce uh, to introduce herself. So uh, I'm just going to fire over to you. Maybe you can say, you know, where you're from, what you do, uh, how long you've been doing it. And then we can go from there, really. Yeah. So my name is Alexa. As Leo said, I go by Lex, whatever, whatever the people prefer. Um, I am in New York City. I'm an in-person based trainer, but after COVID, I did expand to online. So I have some online clients and in person. Um, a little bit about how I got into fitness. Um, fitness has always been a part of my life. I was a competitive gymnast growing up. Um, and then as I kind of out of that, you don't go to the Olympics or you just find something else. Um, I kind of didn't know what I was going to be doing. And then after school, I thought I was going to go to law school and had that business major. But as the fitness was always a part of my life, um, I did like a yearish in marketing. And then I was somehow, um, my sister's trainer was like, you should work here. So I left my job, some savings. Um, I started at one of the gyms in New York City. And then I just realized how that was going to be the rest of my life. And I, that's where I built my online business and my in-person business. Um, I was there. So I started in about 2018 in-person coaching. And then when COVID hit, I went online. So now I'm private for in-person. So I work for myself and I have clients that find me um, through social media, through friends, a lot of um, friends and family. Um, And then I'm also online. So there's that combo of being out and about in the city, a lot of commuting. And then I'm also online. Nice. So you were a gymnast for a long time? I was. I think a little bit. We crawled out of the womb doing some gymnastics and then we did it until 11. And then when I woke up one day and I realized, oh, I could break my neck because like children aren't scared of dying. You know, they don't have that fear of we could get hurt. I woke up one day and I was in sixth grade and I was like, I want to go to the mall with my friends. This is scary. I'm over this. But it's actually become a huge part of my training now. And a lot of my clients will be like, I want to do handstands like you do. Um, so that took a backseat. I was 11 when I quit and then I got back into training, lifting at like 24. And so for quite a bit, I didn't do that. And then it kind of just picked back up and like riding a bike and then I got back into it. Nice. So what, just out of curiosity, what made you, uh, want to get back into training? Uh, uh, yeah. Like I was going to say at the gym, maybe yeah. it wasn't even at the gym that you started when you got back, but yeah, what was the thought process there? So it's funny. I, I guess I just like had an epiphany that like, I was at that job and I was like, I could be promoted to the top of this company and I wouldn't be happy. And there was something missing. And my family was like, well, you love fitness. You've always loved fitness. Can you do something with fitness? And I was like, well, I went to school for four years. We paid all this money. Should I, am I going to be a personal trainer? And then fortunately we're in living in a time now where you are able to actually enjoy your job, work with people and do that. And so I started and I was like, you know what? We try this. We see how it goes. Um, fell in love with it. I realized how much I love working with different types of people I work with everyone as young as people as young as like, like right out of high school, college to like that 18, 19 to like people in their 60s. So it's, I'm getting to meet all these people I never would have met and work with them doing something I love and really like feeling like I'm making a difference. Whereas in my marketing job, maybe not changing lives as much and being able to really meet all these people that I never would have met before. Mm. Yeah, no, that's definitely a- 
Yeah, I, like I, I can see where you're coming from with that, where, you know, as a personal trainer, I only do online now, but I was working in a gym one-to-one for many years. And one of the things I miss most about it is you have these like one-to-one conversations with people just from all walks of life. And and that was just, yeah, very, uh, that was amazing. So I, I, that is one thing I definitely miss. Um, but yeah, so when, it, so uh, so you started working out, would you say around the time you started, uh would you was it more like you're kind of doing this and because I know why I started I started because straight up I just wanted to you know look better mostly just for the opposite sex when I started as a teenager partly because I had a lot of insecurities with my own body at the time when I was a teenager um did you have maybe your own personal reasons why you started or yeah so I think a lot of my history and what I went through is why I'm so passionate about working with I work I'd say nine eight percent with women now, so I came from that generation which we're not we're very close in age where like no we didn't lift weights. there was a women's gym where I grew up in the basement, and you ran on the treadmill, you did the bicycle crunches in the corner. I was like an ex cardio bunny, I was like a big runner didn't like running i didn't I really didn't excuse my language I didn't know what the fuck to do, so like growing up, I was like, what do I do? I was like, I don't know. So everyone just ran. All the girls went to the gym. We ran. We did an hour. And then I thought I liked it. I thought I was getting like that post that post workout high. And then it kind of became like a routine where I just did it because I didn't know what else to do. And then I was um, kind of like stuck. And I just did that for years and years and years. And then I actually ended up hating it. And then I kind of woke up one day and I was like, this cannot be it. This is not this is not. And I wasn't getting the results that now I would say I know how to get. Right. So every girl growing up, they're like, I want that sculpted look. I want that quote tone look, right? They don't know how to get there. And so after actually becoming into training, it wasn't even before I actually became a trainer and I had to learn like, oh, what am I doing? So that's why now I'm so passionate about, I mean, there's so much information out there, but what I know now I try to bring to all my clients, which is obviously lifting weights gives you that sculpted look. And then obviously eating is a really big part of it, right? It's like 90, 10. And so that running, when I was running in the past, I felt like, oh my God, I'm starving after this. This is crazy. And I was eating so much back. I think that's like one of the biggest mistakes people are making is that they're running, 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 eating back more. And then it's this vicious cycle of running, eating, running, eating, and they don't know how to get to their goals. And so to your point, ex-cardio bunny, I'm now um, big into lifting weights and I incorporate um, gymnastics into my training because I genuinely enjoy it. And then I'm big into my step count. So I feel like I've just found that great balance of Obviously, cardio is good for heart health. You're not going to catch me on that treadmill. It's been so many years running. However, in New York City, I will sprint to that subway. I am making those subways. I have enough of that endurance. And so there is, right, there's that happy balance of a little bit of cardio and then lifting weights and feeling better and then obviously eating well. And so what I bring now to my clients that are like, how do I look like that? How do I get that? Is I teach them how to lift weights. So I work with a lot of people that have never touched weight before and then now they're hip thrusting 300 pounds, they're squatting, they're enjoying their workouts, they're feeling better. They actually look forward to training. I have girls that had never walked in the gym and now they're like three days a week, loving this. When can we do next? And then some of them that moved away, maybe during COVID or before, are going to the gym alone. I'm like, I need to teach you how to do this alone because this is for life. And there are my online clients now. And so I get so passionate about it because I feel like I spent a good chunk of my like early 20s, probably late teens stuck on that treadmill, the cardio bunny group. And now I know what to do. And I just want to help more people that don't know how to do what I'm doing, teach them how to use the weight room because 
so much better and happier and like genuinely the best part of my day and my clients say they'll say is like their workouts because they feel so much better after whereas running I felt like oh gotta gotta do this I gotta do this so I can burn those calories Mm. and now I'm like we gotta build that booty (laughs) Mm. that's 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 awesome I loved all of that there is like so many potential ways that I can take the conversation down now because a lot of things were coming to mind as you were talking and one thing that you said that I could 100% relate to was where you were in this um like cycle of of just, just consistently training and always showing up but after a while you realize like you're not getting any resu- results like this can't be it I don't know what I'm doing wrong I can I was there and I was going to the gym when I first started for like I think it took up to two years before I was like Nah, like I'm way too consistent for someone who's not getting any sort of like visible results. And because, uh, yeah, this is strange now. And um, yeah, at the time I realized it was just uh, with time I and the further and further education, I realized I wasn't I wasn't doing simple things like applying a progressive overload. So I was like always yeah. doing the same way. So it was things like that. But um, I don't even know where I was going with that. But yeah, it was just like little uh, just. No, it's a cycle of certain people. And it's it, we can relate it to clients being like you're doing something for so long and nothing's changing what's going on. So for me, it was different. I didn't have the results I have now, which are, which I will see as like growth in certain muscle groups. Like I'm big into shoulders, love a strong back, love some strong glutes. I was seeing results in that I was maintaining my thinness. However, I was like, this cannot, this cannot maintain for life. I don't enjoy this. And so I kind of just woke up one day and I was like, oh, I do not enjoy this. Mm. Whereas I think what you were saying, which is like, you're so consistent. Why am I not seeing results? which a lot of people don't realize and people will come to me and be like, Oh, I've been doing the same workout, lifting the same weights for um, yeah, the last like two years. I'm like, you do this same weights, the same, I go the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and nothing changing. And so that's also something that I've learned a lot over the years is a lot of people don't know how to progressive overload. Right. And so that's usually why people are so able to quickly see results when I work with them. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm adding this or I'm increasing range of motion. I'm adding in a pause. I'm changing tempo, which is so underrated and people need to take more advantage of that. But I think that it is crazy when you say it out loud, like, Oh, I've been consistent for a year. Nothing's changing. Oh, I must be doing something wrong. Mm. No, yeah, no. yeah, exactly. And, um, and I was, uh, so I was obviously before this chat, I was looking for your, instagram a little bit just to you know get some ideas for what we could like where i could potentially take the conversation down and one thing that you mentioned somewhere on one of your reels was uh, actually something that it's quite popular i think more so nowadays i think maybe before or maybe i wasn't like deep enough into in the industry before to to realize it is a you touched upon was performance goals because when i first started as well and you know this is potentially why i don't know what your opinion is but i think maybe why a lot of people struggle is maybe they're sometimes so overly focused on the way they look and and specific like um just the way they look sort of type of goals whereas sometimes actually switching to more performance-based goals can be such a tremendous idea and uh and with that you end up looking the way you want i like as well without the like the the whole fixation on it of it so i was just going to say like was there a time where you remember in your obviously in your own journey where you eventually realized okay um actually maybe performance goals are a really good idea for me and maybe the people I work with as well. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be honest. I actually got inspired once upon a time. Katie Sonier was like my kind of my little bridge into weightlifting. And obviously I'm five foot on a good day. We're not, we don't look the same, but I, I really think there just wasn't a lot of females emphasizing like lifting heavy 
obviously with good form, um, lifting heavy and how great it can feel. And I think she was kind of how I got into that. And now that was a lot of my training was a lot of performance goals. Like mine was like squat 200 pounds, check. So fun. Love training for that. I mean, body weight, like there were big goals that I was hitting along the way, which obviously gets you to your goals. And that's also how I like to phrase training for a lot of my clients. Cause it's like a lot of people can't weigh themselves. There's certain, certain people that I work with that they can't do that. And so performance goals allow you to obviously get stronger. And then in term, you have, when you're getting stronger, you're doing other things that go into that to get there. Um, so I would say that's, that's me still today. Every time I'm going to the gym, I'm trying to be one person. 1% better. So whether it's lifting more weight, right. Adding more reps or increasing like a tempo, I think that's kind of how I go into every session, right. Unless I'm feeling real hungover, like I am going in and I'm trying to feel stronger every time. Cause then I feel like that just translates to outside of the gym. I've never had someone who's gotten stronger and been like, Oh, I'm less confident in life now. Hmm. Most girls are like, Oh, I'm strong. I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm going to squat two plates. All the guys are going to look over here and be like, that girl's a strong bitch, you hmm. know? There's something about just feeling stronger that makes you feel better. And I don't, I honestly don't think I could ever look back. And I really just think it's like a part of me now. And that's kind of what I like to teach all of the girls I train is like, you don't need to be carrying those three pound dumbbells, right? Mm. The heavier is going to make you feel better. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and, uh, and in regards to performance goals specifically, I remember one of like the first ever performance goals I, I set myself was a, uh, it's like a, a chin up. There, there was a time where I was getting like, I got really obsessed with my chin ups and my, no, my pull ups specifically. Um, this was like just before the whole pandemic. And I'm still into them now, but I would say that's where I really like got into them. And, uh, and I remember like, uh, at the, like at the peak, I was doing like a, a lot of body weight chin ups. And then as I, again, as I was scrolling through your Instagram, I saw you done a, a tremendous amount of body weight chin ups as well in one go. It was like, I think 13 or something, which is very impressive. And so I thought, <laughs> you know, the, I think a chin up goal or a pull up goal is a, is a very popular sort of, or a great performance goal for a lot of people to aim for. And just mm-hmm. from my experience and the, and, and I know the listener is potentially, if they can't already interested in doing that, maybe their, their first ever body weight chin up or their first ever body weight pull up. I thought it would be r- really cool of us to, even just speak about how someone could go from or how someone could get to their first body weight chin up, like yeah. maybe what considerations they could make or maybe which exercises they could do. And, and then we could go from there. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite performance. Sorry, my text messages are on. <laughs> no, you're good. Oops, connect to the computer. Um, I think that's my favorite, my favorite performance goal to have a lot of girls will come to me and that's their favorite because they're like, I'm going to feel like a bad bitch in the gym doing that performance goal. Um, a lot of people think, oh, all I have to do is pull ups and I'll get better, which is yes, correct. So I love the eccentric chin up. I think everyone's training eccentrics in any exercise. That's how you can really get stronger in all of your lifts, right? So I'll have a lot of people pop up, we use a box, any type of way to get you to the top to then control from the top of the chin up. So the eccentric to anyone listening that doesn't know is the lowering of the chin up, right? So getting stronger at the lowering will get then get you stronger at the top. So that's a key point. And so if someone in their training program wants chin ups, right, at least one day of the two to three training days in upper body, I'll have an eccentric thrown in. Um, with that being said, frequency is really important for getting a chin up. The more consistently and frequently perform your chin ups, the better you're going to get. So if your goal is to chin up at least two times a week, Obviously, with three, you'll see a better return. One, you can still get there, just not as often. So one day, I'll train the eccentrics. And then another day, 
I'll do like a banded variation. Um, I love an AMRAP occasionally as someone gets uh, more comfortable with the movement. So as many reps as possible. Um, but I love a pause and a controlled eccentric with a band. Um, a lot of people bounce out of the bottom, especially with a band. So I think just getting sh- more controlled in the movement and all aspects. So on the way up and on the way down is super important. So you practice your banded chin-ups, you get your eccentrics, and then also just getting a stronger back. People don't realize like rowing, all your rowing variations, right? Your vertical pulls, your horizontal pulls, those will get you uh, stronger in your chin-up. And then obviously, like we said, progressive overload is king. So going up in weight on those movements will help, right? Because the stronger your, your rowing movements are, the stronger your back's getting. But I think just frequency is the most underrated as our eccentrics. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think you pretty much covered everything. If I was to, like, yeah, anything to to add there. To to, I know for the listener, maybe they, the listener will probably love some video examples. So I don't know if you have any of those video, maybe any video examples of you performing those exercises you mentioned. I do. I'll I'll, I'll (laughs) put them in the in the show notes of this podcast episode as well. So like the eccentric chin ups, which is just controlling the way down um banded chin ups like you mentioned I'll, I'll make sure they're in the show notes of this podcast episode that the, the the listener can see them um but yeah other variations as well like i really like a uh, dead hangs uh, I, I think is the name so where you just hang from the bar that can be quite a yep. good one. i remember uh, i practiced that and it's like you said just frequency and then and then uh, progressively overloading them over time and i think you know the, the reason why i'm about to say what i say is just because of the a chat i had the other day where uh one of my online members uh, she mentioned so we're going to start working towards our chin up. And she mentioned, mm-hmm. okay, so she tried a dead hang the other day and she mentioned, she was like, oh, I could only do it for four seconds. So what should I do? Like, I don't know what to do because, you know, it's, it's only four seconds. And I was like, four seconds is fine. Like the important thing is now you, next time you do it, aim for five. And mm-hmm. that's literally applying a progressive overload. You know, we've got to start somewhere. And yeah, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with, like I say only in air quotes, because yeah. only hanging for four seconds, because eventually, you know, that's where we're going to start. And that's where we're going to keep progressively overloading it. And I think what you said as well is very important. And I think it can sometimes get overlooked where it's just like, just strengthen your back, you know, as a whole doing rowing movements as well. And and that's definitely going to, to work towards, um, um, that's definitely going to help towards getting your first chin up. And actually to, to add as well, almost something I almost forgot. And this is me speaking from personal experience because it is something I can say is, you know, generally speaking, the, the lighter you are, the easier time you are going to have performing a mm-hmm. chin up because, I, and because I, I do remember when I was, you know, probably at my best with chin ups, it was probably when I wasn't at my lightest, but I, I was close to, to there and I had a much easier time. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that is it. What's that? <laughs> I'm gonna second that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh yeah, it's definitely gonna be a factor. I don't know if there was anything you wanted to add to that. Now I've there was. There's one more thing. I will say it's it's not necessary, but if you're depending on the grip you're doing, if you're doing a neutral grip, um, I'll throw in neutral grip uh curls into some clients' programs. And I love a bicep curl um to strengthen the bicep for the if you're doing like a chin-up. Um to your client who did a dead hang for four seconds, some people can't even hold onto the bar and they fall right off. So props to her. Um, that is a movement I really like. And then with that being said, a hollow hold builds to your dead hang, which builds to the chin up. So a hollow hold is a core exercise, which for us gymnasts is like the foundation for like all of our training. So it's when you're flat on the ground, your back is smushing in and you can also scale that as well. But I love that for all movements because your core is so important for your chin up. And then a lot, 
the reason a lot of people swing back and forth on the chin-ups is they're not squeezing, they're not engaging their core and they're not squeezing their glutes. So if you're listening and you are swinging all around the place, you don't know how to stop it, build your core, right? The hollow holds, and then also squeeze, squeeze your glutes like there's no tomorrow. And that will help with the swinging. Okay. And now, yeah, very good. Uh, very well mentioned. And um, now I've got a, the, the follow-up question I have is a bit more of a, a selfish one. And um, it was actually just more me being curious, like what type of approach you took, because th- there's a lot of different, maybe there's a lot of different approaches that you could potentially take. Uh, but yeah, like what was your own personal approach to maybe get from maybe your first one or two chin-ups to them being able to do 13 bodyweight chin-ups, just out of curiosity? So I th- I'm going to go back to my point on frequency and consistency. So there's, and I've had other clients who got their first one and then they kind of come in and it's really exciting because the first one comes and then you're like, how do I keep progressing? So with that is your training has of the chin up has to be at least two to three days. So let's say you get your first one. How do we get more? Okay. You keep doing the bandit, even though you have one, and then you just add reps to that. And then it's really just tracking those reps. So let's say you're doing three sets of six to eight with a band um, obviously pushing for as many as you can. I think the biggest mistake, which is a key point, is with chin-ups. Um, a lot of people will push every set to fail. I'll always tell my clients, save one or two reps in the tank. So if, our, if I'm shooting for six to eight and you're on an assisted machine or you're a band, on a band, save at least one or two reps in the tank so that you're not fully fatiguing so that set two and three is not shit, right? If we want to do three sets of eight with a band and then you do 12, you're going to end up doing like 12, five, three. Mm. And I've had people play it out who get really, really excited and they keep wanting to go. So the key point is say one or two reps in the tank when you're pushing your sets with like an assisted band or an assisted machine. Um, and then the frequency and keep notes and then you'll just progress it over there. And then I think a lot of, a lot of key points with this also is a lot of people get excited with the chin up and they want to just cheat their way up and curl their shoulders forward and be rounded, just good form shoulders down and back. Um, and then so consistency, frequency, and then keeping track. And then honestly, they pile in and then you just keep getting your back stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I it's like you said, after the first one, it it, get, it does like up until a certain point. It, yeah. The, the second and the third. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Achieving the second and the third is becomes easier than getting the first, at least from my experience and just the, the experience of training a few other people as well. Um, yeah. So that was a, a really good point there. And uh and I had something else in mind that I wanted to mention, and now it's completely slipped my mind. And uh, weighted eccentrics also. I'm going to jump in. Yeah, if you get yeah. strong enough to get a pull up, right? Weighted eccentrics, even if it's a five pound or it's a ten pound, you throw that on your back or you put it in your weight belt, um, right? Because training the eccentric will just get you stronger in the chin up in general. And then, even if it's not as slow and controlled as the body weight, when you go to do your body weight chin ups, you'll you'll fly up there. You'll feel so light compared to the the ten pound. Yeah, I love that addition. And that was actually something, yeah, that's something else too. I read your mind. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a little tactic that I actually done with my uh, own chin-ups at the time or, or pull-ups um, and when I was getting very comfortable with them. So yeah, adding weight, uh, either to, you know, just a regular chin-up or doing the eccentrics with weight will definitely help a lot. And actually, I remember what I wanted to say was you pro- you might, maybe the listener, and um, and I know we said a lot, so I don't know if they would have missed this, or but I, I want to bring it back, or maybe they would have wondered, like, wait, why? Um, or, or maybe they would have liked to hear it in a bit more depth, but why, what, like, why would you not take every set to failure? Because surely, and this is just the thought process that someone could have, uh, t- could have, because I used to have this, surely if you take every single set to failure, then that's better. And, uh, and that's actually a mistake I used to make myself, where um, I... <laughs> 
like when I first started training as well, I remember I used to take every single set to failure. And then I used to wonder why I was getting like loads of like, like joint pains. And then obviously with time, I figured that wasn't a good idea. But um, yeah, basically just the thought behind it is, it's as you said, like if you go, maybe if you stop like one rep shy of failure or two reps shy of failure, then that helps you have a much better like follow-up sets like the second and third set often tends to then te- therefore tends to be higher quality and you're not if you whereas if you go to complete failure on that first set you then take away from the second and third set uh, without without like a additional benefit so much like it, it just yeah. yeah yeah it ends up not being and uh, i feel like and i can personally attest and other people have too and i'm sure you can too chin-ups more so than more so than like squats or hip thrusts where like if you I'm gonna give an example today did AMREP chin-ups to fail right so I did 10 and then seven and then six the week before was like eight six five right so you do have a a drop-off because you're pushing it to fail whereas instead of doing 10 um eight seven if I had done let's say like eight 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 nine 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 you're still beating you're still the total number of reps is still higher um So especially with newer clients, you're fully fatiguing that first rep. Maybe you don't know what it feels like to fully run out, but different than squats or lunges. And this could just be my personal opinion that I don't have any proof to back up. I feel like once, if I'm really maxing out that first set of chin-ups, no way in chance, am I going to do a set of 10 and then another set of 10 and then a set Mm -hmm. of 10? It is not happening. I am at least going down by two reps at least. And so the only reason I say, say one or two is because, um, I want form to be good, especially if you're not super advanced, right? I want your form to stay good throughout. And sometimes you'll, your biceps, your shoulders, whatever part you're focusing on, on your grip, that will be so fatigued that the rest of the rip, the reps aren't as high. And then the quality kind of drops off too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, pull up 101 there. That was, a, <laughs> that was a lot to digest. I'm passionate about my pull-ups and I uh, talk really so. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. It's it's good to hear because uh, yeah, I've uh, I've had a lot to say about it as well, and uh, and like I said, I, I went through a phase where I was just really into them, and and nowadays I wouldn't say I'm as into them, but they are something I still pa- mm-hmm. practice consistently. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, it's just a, a fun performance goal to have, which is basically yeah. a drawful. So we all go, we all go through our phases of certain things we're excited about. Like you're there's one time where you're like, I want to do three times my body weight in squats or hip thrusts and then you kind of move on to something else and I think that's what makes training just fun is that there's different things you can focus on and I do always like to tell my clients it's really hard to be good at everything you can't have a really strong hip thrust or you have a big strong butt and also have like a chiseled six-pack like it's hard to be good at everything but that's why training cycles you should focus on certain lifts and you'll get better at certain things so it's going to be really hard to have a really strong squat deadlift hip thrust, chin up, overhead press. There's just so many things. Do you have, and this is again, just more on a, on a, like a personal level. Do you have like, what's your main performance goal that you're either aiming for right now or you plan to aim for? So I think for a period of time, it was to squat like 200, but now I did that. And I was like, I think a goal, I like to set resolutions 200 for the pounds, year. by the way, to the listener. How much pounds? I know low. a lot of people in the UK listen, so it's K, K, 200 pounds in kg. It's like over 400. It's quite a bit. Um, 200 <laughs> pounds. So yeah, like one kg is 2.2 pounds. So what, whatever that is. But, okay, so for me, I want to do, this is easier math. We have math talk. I mean, we have uh, gym talk. We could do four plates. So yeah. on the squat, I squat four plates. Um, and then I think it'd be cool to do a chin up with 
a 45 pound plate. I don't know what that is in kilos, but it's like your standard, the heaviest plate. Mm. I think that would be fun. Um, I honestly think I've genuinely been enjoying what I'm, what I've been, my training program that I haven't been like, I want to do this. I've just genuinely been enjoying like moving and when everyone had COVID in December, I'm just happy to be able to like feel good and do my training. Um, what about you? Um, well, yeah, uh, so, yeah, good question. So I was actually doing like, I was actually going through a brief phase where I was doing like a chin up specialization program that was in January. Uh, no, that was in February in March. I've been kind of like doing whatever, like, uh, like I haven't been like focusing on one thing. And uh, I think I'll do that until for the rest of March. And then in, in uh, April, I plan to go like to maybe more of a, a barbell specialization, a barbell bench press specialization program, because that, like that's one exercise I feel like I've never really like I've got like a, an itch to scratch with it. And I, I feel like I've got a lot of progress that I want to make with it because it's not something I've really ever do- dove deep into. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've got um, one uh, a program from uh, Jordan Syatt that I wanted to, that I plan to end up follow, uh, plan to follow, which I think is going to be fun for that. I'm doing a calculation on my calculator to talk kilos. OK, I did have a, a hip thrust goal because it is it's booty building season because it's the winter here in New York. So we're in March, which means it's still a little bit cold. So we're eating a little bit more. So mm-hmm. I want to do 400 pounds in in pounds. And then kilos, what is that? 181. It's like 182 to hip thrust. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, yes. that's very so we're going to add that to the goals. Uh, good luck with that. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it uh, for me for performance uh, goals. Did you, was there anything you wanted to add, for, uh, add to that before I bring up the, the next point that I actually had in mind? I I think we gave the performance goal the spotlight it deserves because I think when a lot of people go performance goal it really is just like a different life because I think it gives people something to focus on Hmm. because without training you need something to focus on right so people have weight on the scale they have their calories they have to hit if you're not doing that maybe like what is there to focus on so it's like oh a performance goal human we need goals we need a purpose we need things to look forward to or to accomplish, to be like, oh, this is my purpose. So it's like every time you're in the gym, up, oh, I'm working toward this goal, showing up, I'm X closer to this, just like I'm X closer to losing weight by doing, following calories, following macros, sticking with the plan. Yeah, and I find, and uh, and uh, yeah, I just find when I have a performance goal as well, and and I'm sure a lot of my online members can relate to this, is that when there's a performance goal present, it, it makes training more exciting as well because you know you're working towards something. So you're like, ah, oh, today, like, I really want to just, like, be able to improve at this today. So, yeah, it, it does make more uh, training more exciting in a way, um, in a lot of ways. <clears throat> but um, there was actually something else I wanted to to touch upon as well. And I think this is probably going to be a question you would have been asked a bunch. Uh, it was definitely a question I got asked often, and I still do get asked time to time. And I remember when I first heard it, it's basically... So say like you've got someone completely new to the gym, which I'm sure there might be someone listening to this who is, and they're like, how do I know how much weight I can lift? And I remember the first time I got asked how much weight can I lift from someone else, I I was like, I remember that like took me off guard because I was like, I I don't know how much, I don't know how much (laughs) weight you can lift. Like, I've never met you. I I don't know. Yeah, you're like, what's your last name? (laughs) Yeah, and and, um. But now, you know, with time, I can see where the question is coming from. Obviously, the more I've learned and now I do have a few ways to to answer that. Um, But yeah, I think that could be like a a good subject to touch on, which is like, how can someone who's maybe brand new to to the gym figure out how much weight they can lift? Yeah, good question. I think a lot of people underestimate, especially women, because I work with women 
predominantly. And they've told me, wow, I can't believe how much weight I lifted. Like, this is crazy. They still don't believe it. Um, so number one, I think a lot of people underestimate how much they lift. The first thing I like to ask people is one to 10, 10 being like, we are dying. This is so heavy. It feels like a car is falling on my face. One to 10, how do you feel? Um, five is we're chilling. One is this feels like nothing. We want to fall in the six, seven range. I think in the beginning, a lot of people don't understand what an eight truly is like an RPE mm. feels like an eight. Um, so I think finding out, wow, this feels like, okay, like a six, seven, I could do tr- two to three more reps. I think that's a really good way to gauge um, how heavy I can lift is can you do two to three? Okay, great. This is a great starting point. And then you build on there, especially a beginner or even anyone in general that isn't like a power lifter. I'm not going to push them to, oh, wow, this is the last rep, right? Um, And I think until you do push yourself to that last rep, though, you're never really going to know what it really feels like to be like, how much can I lift? And I can't get up. But I always obviously teach people how to safely fail every lift. But how much can you truly lift is, wow, I could have maybe done one or two more or most lifts when done safely, right? If your gym is lucky enough to have like a hack squat or a pendulum squat, you are, your face, like your face has it all and you are grinding up that last rep and that's truly the last you can do. Obviously, bicep curl lottery is super safe to fail. Um, so the long and the short of that answer is I think people, number one, underestimate how much they lift and they can always lift more than they can, which is a super exciting thing to go through. And then through finding out how many more you could have done and then tracking that over the course of like your training cycle. Yeah. 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 I think uh, it's like you said, yeah, I think using the RPE chart mm-hmm. is a, a very good method. And uh, as you said, yeah, just, you know, getting around that six, seven, eight RP six, seven RPE when you're first starting out can be a good idea. And if you don't know what that is, so let's say, so seven out of 10, it would basically be like three. So if you were to go for like a nine out of 10, that'd be, you had one rep left in you Two uh, eight out of 10, you'd have two reps left in you. So if you were going for a seven, you would probably have about three reps left in you, which might not sound like it makes much sense right now. If you've really, if you've never really lifted weights before, but after you've done it, maybe one or two or three times, then, then you'll start to understand that feeling more. I think a, a really um good idea to have like, like to add to that as well so to add to what you've already said could just be the like why we have rep ranges as well so let's say you're aiming for a rep range of i don't know on on squats you're aiming for like eight to ten reps you know for a fact that okay you can maybe pick up it's always better to start lighter by the way than heavier just when you're first starting out because obviously if if it's if you pick up something that's too light you can just simply increase it but if you pick up something that's overly heavy then there's always a bit more of a risk but as you said most people do maybe end up sticking with the lighter weight for too long and don't understand you know they are stronger than they think but again it is a bit like it's better to start a little bit lighter and again you can always just increase the weight uh, within that session or over time a lot uh, a lot more simply and and using that rep range as a guidance so if your goal is eight to ten reps on a specific exercise and you know with a certain weight you get 10 out of 10 reps, then you know for a fact, okay, I'm ne- I'm ready for the, the next increment up for sure. Because, you know, you've, you, you've, max, you've maxed out the rep range already. Like where else can you go from this point? So just using those rep ranges as, a, as guidance as well can definitely help give you clarity on how much weight you can lift. Yeah, and that's also, I'm going to jump on that. I also, and that's also why I like using rep ranges as opposed to three sets of eight. Oh, like what if you could have done nine? What could you have done 10? And I'll always ask people and I can always look at for in-person and then also online if they're recording, right? You could have done two more. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, well, why didn't you do it? Right? Because you probably had four more if you did two more. So that's why I like a range. And I think 
the strict set of three sets of eight or three sets of six, whatever it may be. I love an eight to 10, a 10 to 12. I think a range is important. Some people be love an overachiever will shoot for that higher end and some people will go lower, but you know what? It's always good to have that option because if you could have done one more and done nine, do the nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love, I love a range and I think it, I love when more people are using it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I think that's pretty much, what I had to say about that. Was there anything you wanted to add to that before uh, I go on to the next final part? No, I think we did a good job. (laughs) Yeah, we did do a good job there. Um, So yeah, before, sometimes in some podcast episodes, I like to uh, go through like a a mini, like overrated, underrated round. And uh, I had like some fitness, like there's only five points here that I could come up with, uh, some fitness related, some non-fitness. And um and I, yeah, I just thought, you know, obviously feel free to go in as much depth as you want. Or if you don't know, you feel free to say that as well. But um, yeah, so first one, pre-workouts. Ooh. I'm going to say, I'm going to say at the moment, I think it's, I think it's rated appropriately. I think there's a period of time where it was so overrated. What I will say and make, make the fun game boring is I think saving your pre-workout for like your harder training days or when you're really tired is so key. Like if your leg days, if you're on an upper lower split and leg days are really hard for you, right? Because usually they are harder for most people. Save your pre-workout for the lower days. Because if you're taking it every day, you are adapting to that and nothing is changing. And I have so many clients that will be like, yeah, I've been drinking the Celsius every day and I feel nothing. You've adapted. Like you need to give it a break. And I would, I'd recommend saving it for days where you really need it. Um, I'd say, I'd say properly rated at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good stuff there. Um, this is me asking out of genuine curiosity because we don't have it here, but uh, I'm curious to see what you think. Chipotle. Overrated. Overrated. What makes you say Overrated. that? I think, okay. I think it's a, but I think it's a really great option. If you don't have time, it's bang for your buck, you know, and I know how to do the system, right? Um, great for meat, veg. It is the healthiest it can be. Some are hit or miss though, because it's not going to be the same throughout. Hmm. But I think it's great if you're dieting, the macros are online, um yeah some places will use more oil than others and you can't track that but i've usually had it and felt good but i also know how to order it um but overrated because i just i'm sick of hearing about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i had a i had a feeling uh okay so uh lifting weights chipotle in you don't have chipotle in in oh in a so in the uk i i don't know if we have it now i feel like i feel like maybe one or two chains have popped up but obviously i'm not in the uk anymore and it's definitely not popular there if they do have it yeah. in Portugal we don't have it for sure because that's where I live yeah, now because like <laughs> to be honest we we make that kind of food quite often and uh maybe with slightly different ingredients but we make that often so a chipotle wouldn't be successful here because it wouldn't do well there Mm-mm. it would be overpriced it's a bit like Starbucks it's never Starbucks couldn't take off here just because you know okay maybe it's 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 cool it's decent coffee but it's just overpriced whereas people here you know you can go to any coffee shop and get a better coffee for very cheap so yeah um so yeah that was just a yeah it wouldn't really work that was a good one (laughs) yeah uh so the next one was uh so lifting weights in flat soles so this is something uh, like like converse you mean yeah so like convert yeah just anything with like a a flat sole at the bottom because uh, i know this is spoken about sometimes and i think it's something maybe oh i'm big into this i'd say um well, I like a flat shoe. Um, it's a two-part answer. I barefoot lift for squats and like Romanian deadlifts. I don't deadlift. 
Um, I love lifters for people if they're going to squat. I think the converse are horrible because you know this, right? You take your foot out. It's too small. It's pushing your toes together. A lot of people that I train, right, it'll lift up and they don't understand why it's like coming off the ground. And so to get that tripod foot, right, that big toe, pinky toe pushing into the ground, the converse is so narrow. It prevents your toes from spreading the way they naturally should. Um, I do like a like a Metcon or a training shoe, though. I think that's underrated. And a lot of people all see lifting in ASICs, like the thick running shoe or the Hoka's, which I don't know if you have in Portugal, like these really big chunky shoes where horrible for lifting and any client of mine that has it, I'll say swap that out, go barefoot or get like a, like a Metcon training shoe. Um, so I'd say underrated. I mean, overrated and underrated is people wearing the correct shoe. Mm. I've actually, cause I heard Converse is actually a shoe that I've heard many people like will mention in that conversation, but I've actually never worn Converse in my life. I've never tried it on. I, I don't know how it feels. I'm like, yeah, one of the few, I, I don't know. It's just a pure coincidence, but um i have heard that it's too overly tight on the foot so yeah, yeah it's, it's good that you mentioned that i recently i was just doing it in vans for a while but obviously i was after my i was after my own like actual pair of shoes that i you know that was more made for working out and i, I recently brought brought some like a, it was like a, a reebok crossfit nanos or light or bananas. bananas are good yeah and i i really like it like, like it's, bananas. it's a, i can feel a huge difference and and someone listening to this might be thinking if they've never really given this much of a thought where, you know, lifting in flat soles and they may be lifting just in their running shoes. And they're probably thinking like, why are these two going on a whole tangent about lifting in flat soles? It absolutely <laughs> does make a difference, especially when you're hand- handling heavy weight as you're standing on the floor. So as you said, like a squat or a deadlift or maybe an overhead press when you're standing up, like if you lift in flat soles, you you will notice there's more of a, there's a lot more stability at the bottom and, and uh, yeah, and the heavier the weight you lift, the, the the more you do start to, to feel that that difference really big difference and i'm just gonna ch- one last thing about the shoes is a lot of people during like a bulgarian split squat a split squat variation any lunge in like a chunky running shoe often they'll say they feel different things and not like what we should so right if we're supposed to be feeling glutes or quads they'll feel like their calves working because your your leg is working to stabilize because it can't even feel the ground and then when we go barefoot right? Train it out with a training shoe. They're like, oh, I feel glutes. I feel quads. And so it can be something as crazy as there's nothing wrong with your form. Form is good. Your, your movement looks good. You're just, you're wearing the wrong shoe. And so I think that's why it's underrated and that having a good shoe can make something feel so much better without even having to change your form. Yeah. Very well said. Um, yeah. So the next point was, uh, just because I know you've been here twice before. So I'm just curious. So Portugal is a holiday destination underrated underrated what makes you say that it was one of my favorite places I went and I feel like for me I like I'm not a girl that's just gonna sit on the beach and just be there tanning from nine to five like I like a little bit of activity and I feel like Portugal has it all like when I went there we did all the things there was we had the relaxation but then you got to see things um so underrated Mm. and I'll yeah, just like on a on a to to quickly just like on a different note I remember I was surprised that you said you had come to Portugal like maybe just definitely twice because yeah. when I've been like Portugal is a very popular holiday destination within Europe but I've noticed that I've been to the states many times now and I have a lot of American friends but one thing I've noticed is that like no one speaks about going to Portugal as a or at least like from my experience you told me that and I was so surprised because I remember I went when I was younger and we were not there long enough and we were young and didn't plan as well as we should have. 
And I went to Lisbon and I was like, I have to come back and I have to come back and do it right when I'm older. So mm-hmm. I went with my family a couple of years ago. But to your point about it being a destination trip, we went, we tagged on a couple of countries. So we did Portugal, Seville, and like Barcelona. We, we oh, did the whole. Seville? Yes. Mm-hmm. Loved oh, it. Uh, oh, carry on. You went to where else? So, did you so go? I think, I think to your point about it being, um, we didn't just go there. We made it like a yeah, couple, we did uh, a couple of things while we were there. Um, yes. so we gotta get we gotta get more Americans there. Is, is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, yeah because uh, yeah, I just I, yeah yeah it was uh, I, Look, I don't know why people are coming here. I don't know why I moved here. I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> what made you What made you move there from the UK? So I the reason why I moved here is because I have dual citizenship. So my parents are Portuguese. I was born and raised in London. Uh, they met in London, and I was born and yeah. So I was born and raised there. So London is home, um, but. I just wanted something something new. I, I've been living in London for the majority of my life, and uh, and uh, and now I work freelance doing online coaching. It, it was just it was an easy move to make, especially having the dual nationality. So yeah, it was it was very effortless, and I don't regret it. I really I really like living here. Pros and cons, but overall, I think it's definitely been worth it. I, I like it a lot. And as you said, Lisbon Lisbon's very beautiful. So like uh, it's just uh, sometimes I, I'm walking around and I feel like it's almost like in a I mean, like a, some sort of work of art, how nice everything is. Um, I can't say the same about the New York City streets right now. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I went to New York. New York is, uh, like I said, I think I said this to you one time before. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of London. It, it does. does. Yeah, yeah. It does remind me a lot of London. Um, anyway, the last one is, uh, and I don't know, I can't say it's something I know a lot about, but I would be curious to know if it's something you know, maybe something about. So, like co- uh, collagen protein. You know, it's, oh, overrated, overrated. Yeah, I, mean, I, I I know I have an idea there. You know how many, see, the thing is, is that it's yes, there is protein in it, and so I'm gonna be. I have my a mom, sisters, people asking me a lot because I'm the protein pusher of the family. I'm like, where's mm. the protein? Where let's get double protein? Like, is everyone hitting their protein? And they're like, oh, the collagen proteins. And I'm like, yes, true. There is protein in it. However, like a protein shake obviously has more. And then just eating even more protein. I think people don't realize that it is easy to get protein. Obviously, I'm a smaller person, so it's easier for me to hit mine. However, just eating what you already like and then making it bigger. So like I push my Greek yogurt and cottage cheese for people that don't like meat or feel like they can't cook. It is such an easy way to increase your protein. Whereas instead of buying this overpriced collagen, just like increase your serving size of yogurt of cottage cheese. Um, overrated because everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to drink this collagen. My hair, my nails, and my protein is all accomplished in one. When, yes, it does do a, a decent job. But I think for the pricing and for what it does, we could do better. Mm. Yeah, no. yeah, that's uh, that's genuinely uh, that's generally what I've heard as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, otherwise, that's pretty much it from me for today. Did you have anything that you wanted to touch upon before I bring it to an end? Listen, Leo, I think we could talk for a while about a lot of different things. So I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to pick your brain about my third if I go to Portugal again and I do it better than last time, I'll I'll ask you all about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always uh, happy to to help out to to anyone who who wants to come to uh, to Lisbon and ask like just whatever whatever it is they should see. Uh, so where can people find you? I'm Flex with Lex. Um so Flex underscore with underscore Lex. Um on Instagram and Alexis e Fitness on TikTok, which I've taken a little hiatus from, but I'll be coming back soon. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, definitely check her, check that out. I will uh, leave, I'll leave your the social media links in the show notes of this podcast episode. If you're listening from Lexus side, then yeah, feel you know feel free to to drop a follow as well if you'd like at Leo Alves PT. Uh, Alves is spelled A L V E S. Leo Alves PT. I'll leave. I'll just leave all the links in the show notes of this podcast episode alongside those video examples of the the different push up ch- uh, chin up variations that we mentioned. But otherwise, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate that, and uh, I had a lot of fun in that chat. Bye, Leo. Thank you that wraps it up for another episode of the leo alves podcast i do hope you enjoyed listening to this episode if you did then please do consider sharing it with your friends family group chat or even anyone else who you know could be interested in listening to that episode otherwise if you haven't already then please do leave a five-star review on whichever platform you are listening to this on and remember all the relevant links such as the inquiry form to potentially become a keros online member my social media handles a free fat loss guide and a free workout plan are all also found in the show notes of this podcast episode as well. Otherwise, take care and I'll see you around.